Strife and heartache have been part of the human condition ever since Cain and Abel. And uh, even even before that, uh, with Adam and Eve in the garden, as uh, Adam blames God, Lord, it's the woman you gave me. And uh, Eve blames the serpent. Uh, and, you know, um, strife has been part of the human condition. Well, this scripture we're going to look at tonight deals with a dysfunctional family. And so uh, probably all of our families have some dysfunction in one way or the other. Uh, so we need to understand what is not good and what is good in our families. But then also, we need to understand that despite the negative things in our families, God is still sovereign. And I love the fact that Joseph, uh, after all that happens in his family, he says, you meant it for good, or for evil, but God meant it for good. So God can take even the negative things in our family, he can work them for good. So uh, we can trust God when there is dysfunction, but we can also recognize what not to do and what to do uh, as uh, we, we interact with our family members and with, with people in general as far as that goes in our relationships. Um, here uh, you have Jacob showing favoritism. To Joseph, Joseph tattling on his brothers. Joseph saying, "Hey, God gave me a dream. Guess what? You guys are all going to bow down to me." <laughs> and uh, uh, well, hey, God gave me another dream. Guess what? You you guys are all going to bow down to me. And and each time one of these things happens, uh, the hatred grows and the discord grows. And uh, finally. Jacob sends Joseph, he's apparently oblivious to the problems that are going on, sends Joseph to check on his brothers, and they, he has to travel some 50 miles to get to where they are. And they see him in the distance, and he's wearing that coat of many colors. And it just gets all over him. Here he comes, the master of dreams. Let's kill him. And so uh, they decide to kill him. Well, Reuben comes along and he says, uh, no, let's not, let's not shed his blood. He's our, he is, after all, he is our brother. Uh, let's throw him in a pit instead. And so Reuben has the, the, the plan to, to deliver Joseph, but uh, he goes off to do something. I don't know what. And um, while he's gone, the Ishmaelites come along and also called the Midianites. The Midianites are probably a group or a tribe within the bigger group called the Ishmaelites. But anyway, uh, they see this group and they say, what? hey, Judah comes up with the idea. He says, listen, if we kill him, we get nothing. Oh, but if we sell him, we get some money out of the deal. We'll be rid of him, and we'll be rid of his mouth, and he'll be a slave, and we'll see what will become of his dreams. And we'll kill a kid, a goat, and we'll dip his robe in the blood and give it to our father. So, so whose robe is this? And so uh, it comes full circle. Jacob, who had deceived his father, is about to be deceived in the same way with a kid and with a brother's garment. Uh, so, um, all of this takes place, and Joseph ends up in Egypt as a slave. 
This is God's intended purpose. Sometimes God's purpose doesn't make any sense at all to us, does it? God gives Joseph a dream of ruling, and what is he? A slave. Is there any hope of God's plan being realized? And, but there was hope. Matter of fact, God sent Joseph down to Egypt as a slave for the very express purpose of his rising to power in Egypt to deliver many people. And so, um, all of that. So, there's a whole lot going on in this chapter. We're going to focus on the relationships in this family. So, look at, look at the, the title of my message is how to have better relationships. And look at verse 1 with me. It says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, in the land of Canaan. These are the family records of Jacob. At 17 years of age, Joseph tended sheep with his brothers. The young man was working with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought a bad report about them to their father. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons because Joseph was the son born to him in his old age, and he made a robe of many colors for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peacefully to him. Then Joseph had a dream. Uh, when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. There we were, binding sheaves of grain in the field. Suddenly my sheaf stood up, and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. Are you really going to reign over us? His brothers asked him. Are you really going to rule us? So they hated him even more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and told it to his brothers. Look, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun, moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. He told his father and brothers, and his father rebuked him. What kind of dream is this you have had? He said, am I and your mother and your brothers really going to come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. His brothers had gone to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. Israel said to Joseph, your brothers, you know, are pasturing flocks at Shechem. Get ready, I'm sending you to them. I'm ready, Joseph replied. Then Israel said to him, go and see how your brothers and the flocks are doing and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the Hebron Valley and he went to Shechem. A man found him there wandering in the field and asked him, what are you looking for? I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph said. Can you tell me where they are pasturing their flocks? They've moved on from here, the man said. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph set out after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. They said to one another, oh, look, here comes the dream expert. So now, come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. We can say that a vicious animal ate him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to save him from them. He said, let's not take his life. Reuben also said to them, don't shed blood. Throw him into this pit in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him, intending to rescue him from them and return him to his father. When Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped off Joseph's robe, the robe of many colors that he had on. Then they took him and threw him into the pit. The pit was empty without water. They sat down to eat a meal, and when they looked up, there was a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. 
Their camels were carrying aromatic gum, balsam, uh, and resin uh, going down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what do we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come on, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay a hand on him. For he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When Midianite traders passed by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the pit and sold him for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took Joseph to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, The boy is gone. What am I going to do? So they took Joseph's robe, slaughtered a male goat, and dipped the robe in its blood. They sent the robe of many colors to their father and said, We found this. Examine it. Is it your son's robe or not? His father recognized it. It is my son's robe, he said. A vicious animal has devoured him. Joseph has been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth around his waist, and mourned for his son for many days. All his sons and daughters tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will go down to Sheol to my son mourning. And his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guards. So how to have better relationships. What do we see here? Well, first of all, we need to speak wisely. We need to speak wisely. If you look in, in verse 2, uh, it says that Joseph brought a bad report about his brothers to their father. Now, the scripture doesn't really tell us what that bad report was. The word that's used is usually used in a negative context of uh, something sometimes even told that is not true. Uh, but it may not be that it wasn't true, but uh, his brothers didn't take too kindly to it. Uh, it stirred up strife among them. Now, uh, sometimes there's an issue important enough that you have to deal with it. Um, Joseph could have dealt with it by going to them directly. Um, but he's a teenager, and uh, he's not uh, too experienced. So he, he, he doesn't go to them. He goes straight to his father, and he tells them what's going on. Now, the Bible says a few things about uh, this kind of thing. It says, it is the glory of a man to conceal a matter. So in other words, if there's something that's not important enough, to, in other words, it's a minor thing. It doesn't necessarily have to be dealt with. Uh, just don't even bring it up. Don't even talk about it. Because it can build a bridge of friendship and love between two people when you cover over a mistake that somebody has made. Um, the Bible also talks about the way to confront problems. If it is serious enough to confront, Jesus said you go to your brother privately, and then you take a witness, and then, of course, in the New Testament church context, you bring it to the church. Uh, in that family context, uh, Joseph could have gone individually to one of his brothers or to both of his brothers and said, look, this is not right. Uh, could have brought witness and then could have gone to his father. Uh, and and would, have, would have honored his brothers more in, in a better way. Uh, but what the text gives the impression of is that Joseph is just running down his brothers to his daddy. And um, that happens in families, doesn't it? One, one scripture in Proverbs talks about the talebearer. And it says the person that's a talebearer, in other words, they go around telling stories on everybody else. Did you hear what so-and-so did? 
did you hear what so-and-so said? And then they tell the story, and usually they just get real excited telling the story. You know, if they're a true gossip, they get delighted when they tell the story. Um, the talebearer wounds the heart, the Scripture says. The Bible also says if you take out the talebearer, the strife ceases. I have seen that in church. I, I'm not going to name names, so don't ask me to do so. We used to have a, a lady uh, in our church, and I'll leave it to you. You can. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, she was a talebearer. Okay, I knew about it. Probably most of you didn't know about it, but I knew about it. I found out there were probably five, six different families upset. And I didn't even know about it. It was all happened in the background. She left the church. Hallelujah. <laughs> Take out the tailbearer and the strife seat. Guess what? After a few months, everything settled back down. And everything was good. Take out the tailbearer and the strife seat. If you want to have better relationships... Don't be a tailbearer, okay? <laughs> so we're kind of talking about what not to do um, in, in this case. But uh, uh, speak wisely. Uh, so uh, don't, uh, you know, don't just go and spread stories about other people. Uh, be wise in, in discerning and what you share and how you share it. And sometimes don't share it. Uh, and you'll be speaking wisely. All right, so how to have better relationships. We need to speak wisely. Secondly, we need to love impartially. We need to love impartially. If you look in verse 3, it says, Now Israel, that is Jacob, okay? His name is also Israel. God changed his name to Israel. Now Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons because Joseph was the son born to him in his old age, and he made a robe of many colors for him. Okay. So, Jacob loved Joseph more than his other sons. But not only did he love Joseph more than his other sons, he made it very evident that he loved Joseph more than his other sons. He made a special garment. Now, there's a little, the traditional translation is a coat of many colors. Um, it, it, it has to do with a long-sleeved coat that was probably used as a picture of authority and special position, uh, they're not really sure, okay? There's different opinions on how to translate it. But uh, regardless of what the specifics of that are, it was a special coat. Joseph knew it. Apparently, he wore it every chance he got. His brothers knew it. They could not speak peacefully to him. After he got that coat, they said, okay, Dad made him a coat. He didn't make us a coat. What's up? And they began to just hate him. Um, so, Scripture teaches us to love impartially. You say, well, how do you do that? If you love somebody, you know, we, and let's face it, all of us, there are certain people we get along with easier and we identify with more easily than others, right? I mean, that's just human nature. There's some people you're more alike, and there's other people you're less alike. Uh, but, but God has given us the Holy Spirit so that we can show love. Did you know love can be shown as a choice? We show love. We show kindness. We show goodness uh, to others 
And God has called us to love impartially. So you love the people that are like you. You also love the people that are not like you. Uh, You love the people that you get along with easily. And you love the people that you don't get along with easily. Uh, So God has called us to be impartial. And uh, it's a choice we make. And it's something I think we can only truly do in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, but, But it's very important. Uh, in First in Timothy, uh, Paul told Timothy, he said, do everything without partiality. Uh, James says that we are to be impartial as God's people toward one another. And so um, we're called to love everybody and to show love to everybody. Um, so we can do that as a choice. And we can do that in our families as a choice. And um, if, you're, if you're wise, you will not show overt partiality to your kids because it will cause problems. If you're wise, you'll not show overt partiality. I, I had a teacher in school in Oneida. I really liked that teacher. Uh, she said one day, she said, Roger is my pet. So Roger can go to lunch five minutes early. So I got up, and I, don't, I she probably wouldn't be able to get away with that today. But I, I got up, and I grinned at all my friends. And I walked out of the room, and I went to lunch five minutes early. I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. Now, I don't know what they thought about it. They probably, probably didn't appreciate it. But please don't do that, okay? Uh, don't show partiality. Don't say, this one's my favorite. Because uh, it will cause jealousy. Um, This is exactly what Jacob did. Of course, he learned it from his parents. Isaac, Esau was Isaac's favorite, right? Jacob was Rebecca's favorite. And they were both working behind the scenes trying to get all the best stuff for their favorite son. Um, You know, this has been the case Uh, for generations in this family, and these things are just being passed down. But by the way, you don't have to repeat the mistakes your parents made or your grandparents made, right? Isn't that a great thing about the gospel? We don't have to go down that same road. We can learn from God's Word. We can learn from the uh, godly example of others, and we can take a different path. Uh, So... um, Love impartially, and that will help your relationships with other people quite a bit. It will help unity in your family. It will help unity in the church uh, as you do that. So, how to have better relationships? We need to speak wisely. Secondly, we need to love impartially. Thirdly, we need to share discreetly. Share discreetly. If you look at verse 5, it says, Then Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers... They hated him even more. Now, there's a lot of questions that we have that are not answered here. Number one, is Joseph just completely clueless? Does he not recognize that his brothers can't stand him? Okay, that is a possibility. Maybe he's just clueless and he he doesn't realize it. And he's just, oh, this is is what happened and and he's telling them about it. Or maybe he does know. (laughs) that they hate his guts, and he doesn't care. 
and he's rubbing it, uh, he's rubbing their nose in the fact that God has given him dreams. Uh, either way, uh, we don't need to do that. <laughs> uh, we need to be discreet about who we tell about the things in our lives. Jesus said in one place, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Uh, sometimes it is wise not to tell everything you know. Okay? That's not lying. That's not deception. That's just keeping your mouth shut. Uh, that's, sometimes that is a very smart thing to do. If you know one of your kids is jealous of the other kid, when, when that other kid uh, has some great accomplishment, don't go tell the younger kid or the, the other kid, okay? Because that will just fan the flame, right? Jealousy will increase. And if it's happening to you, and you know somebody's jealous of you, don't go to them and tell them how God's blessed you and then all these things. Listen, we all have got people, and sometimes you have to learn that. You have to learn that through some trial and error. Uh, and you, you tell somebody, I remember one time I was with a group of preachers, and they were all sharing their woes, and they got to me and said, well, what problems are you having? And I said, well, really, there's no, no problems in my church right now. And one of the guys, he looked, he looked frustrated with me. What do you mean there's no problem? You've got to have some problems. What are they? I said, I don't know of any problems. There may be some, but I don't know about them. And he was upset because, you know, <laughs> and I realized I probably don't need to talk about how great uh, my people are or how uh, you know, anything good about my church because he's going to be jealous of it. Apparently there's some jealousy there. I don't know. But uh, it, it's funny. You, so sometimes you learn these things. Or you begin to notice people, somebody will treat you differently when they find out that you've had success. Have you ever known those people, if you're having a bad time, I mean, if everything's going wrong in your life, boy, they just are excited to be right there. But you start, things turn right around and you start doing well, and all of a sudden there's jealousy there and the relationship gets cold and distant. That's probably a person you don't need to tell about your successes. Okay? So... Uh, be aware, uh, have your eyes open to how people respond. Now, what does the Bible tell us? The Bible says we're to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. But that's something we do through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, uh, and so I, I think you can truly do that when the Spirit's empowering you, but uh, sometimes people aren't walking in the Spirit, and so you learn Okay, this is somebody I don't need to share this with. It, won't it be a wonderful thing someday when we get to heaven and nobody has jealousy issues and nobody has uh, these interpersonal things that are going on that's, that have been tainted by sin and we can just enjoy, we can relax and enjoy each other? <laughs> won't that be great? Uh, and uh, anyway, I think that part of the Holy Spirit's coming to the churches is to bring that about it won't be perfect because we still have that old sin nature, and all of us do. But to bring a little bit of a taste of that as we walk in the Spirit, we have a little taste of how that world will be. So uh, Joseph's brothers hated him even more when he told them. And so he, he tells them, listen to the dream I had. And he says, hey, I had another dream. you know." And the hatred is, I don't, surely it had to be on their faces, you know. This, you know, kind of uh, 
you know, it, I, there used to be a lady in one of my churches that she looked like she'd been sucking on prune juice all day. I mean, she just, her face was just angry and bitter, and, and she'd fold her arms like this and look at me, you know, while I was preaching. And so whenever I would go across the congregation, I'd go like this. When I got to her, and, uh, I didn't look at her because it would distract me. But uh, what, what uh, you kind of what you you look for those things, and if you see that stuff happening, let it be a red flag to you that something may not be right, and maybe you don't need to share the good things that are happening. Um, so share discreetly. Uh, now J- Jacob's response is different, right? Now, Jacob initially rebukes him. You know, apparently Joseph was pretty cocky. He was pretty sure of himself, pretty cocky. And Jacob says, really? Are your mom and I and your brothers going to bow down to you? You know, you, <laughs> who do you think you are kind of thing, you know. But then he starts thinking about it. He says, he's had a dream. Maybe God is at work in his life. Jacob keeps it in mind. And so here's you, you have somebody who loves Joseph, and, and a true friend will tell you, say, hey, you're, you're kind of being a cocky jerk, okay? You know, you need to <laughs> tone it down a few notches, okay? You, uh, nobody can live with you if you, if you act that way. Um, but Jacob, because he loved Joseph, he, he was excited on his behalf when he thought something was happening that was for his good. And so a true friend uh, will love in that way. And so you can share, you can share uh, what God is doing, and they will rejoice with you. So, um, so how to have better relationships, speak wisely, love impartially, share discreetly, forgive completely. Forgive completely. Look at verse 20. Here's the path of unforgiveness where it leads. Verse 20 says, so now, come on. Let's kill him. Let's kill him. Hatred has increased and increased and increased. Add some jealousy, stir that in the pot. They have gone, they've gone down this path, and because they have an unforgiving spirit, they end up doing something that is just truly hard to even wrap your mind around happening in a family. They kill, they want to kill their brother. And they think they have. They think by selling him into slavery that he's ultimately going to die an early death. We know that because when Joseph is interviewing them later on, they say, and we have another brother and he is not, which means he's died. They just assumed he would die in slavery, die an early death. So this, this is the heart that they have towards Joseph. Um, and of course, this is not the heart that we're to have towards other people. We need to forgive them quickly. We need to forgive them completely. You know, not be the historian who brings up uh, every uh, failure of that you've ever committed. You, you know those people, you know, they remember what you did 20 years ago and they'll let you know. And everything else you've done ever since. Um, no, don't be the historian. Be like God. Praise God, my sin has been buried in the sea of forgetfulness. Isn't that a wonderful thing? It's as far as east, east, east is from the west. 
Does God know about it? Well, he's omniscient. Sure, he knows. But he will never bring it up. It is under the blood of Jesus. It will never again be a barrier between me and God. Uh, it is gone in terms of the relationship and uh, will never uh, in any way affect my relationship with God. And, and what an amazing thing. And that's the forgiveness that God calls us to have toward others. Um, you say, well, what if they had forgiven Joseph and he acted the same way? Forgive him again, right? Um, remember the disciples, they're having this discussion with Jesus, and uh, they say, well, how many times should we forgive our brothers? To seven times? Well, we're really spiritual. We'll forgive him seven times, yeah? Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. What? You see, forgiveness is about canceling a debt. Forgiveness can be done regardless of what the, how the other person responds. Okay? Now, we can go to that person. We can share. This is the sin that's been committed. You know, we can, we can rebuke if necessary. Um, we can take steps of accountability like Matthew 18 talks about. Um, going with a brother, bringing it to the church if it's a, you know, a situation in the church. And uh, we can do those things. And, and we can be smart in how we deal with that person. If that person is unrepentant, if they've stole, stolen from you, uh, don't give them power of attorney, okay? <laughs> you know, we had one, one fellow said, well, you know, you're supposed to forgive me. Well, yeah, I, I have forgiven you, but I'm not letting you do that anymore. Uh, so you can, you can have wisdom in how you deal with people and have accountability and all of those things, but you've got to cancel the debt. And it's a choice of the will, and it's something that the Holy Spirit can enable us to do uh, as a choice of the will. The alternative is to let ourselves go down a path of bitterness. And you know what the Scripture tells us? If we don't forgive other people, God won't forgive us. You said, well, I thought my sin was already forgiven and paid for at the cross. Yes, it has been. But when we have an unforgiving spirit... We quench the Spirit of God. So he's talking about forgiveness, little f. In other words, the restoring of the fellowship that God has with us that is broken by our sin, right? We have to confess our sin. When we sin against God, it breaks our fellowship with God. We've got to confess that sin. We're, I'm still forgiven, right? I'm still God's child. I'm still a part of his family. But the fellowship's broken. So I've got to confess that sin to God. Uh, I ask God to help me repent if I'm struggling with that. I need to repent. And God will restore that fellowship. And, and he will work in my life once more. And that abundant life is possible. But if you have an unforgiving spirit, you might as well cut the, cut the power off. Because you will not have an abundant life. God will not restore the fellowship as long as you have an unforgiving spirit. Many, you probably know some people, um, I've known a number of people like this in my life, who struggle with, with forgiving other people. And sometimes maybe they, something's happened to them in the past and they hold on to that grudge their whole life. And you begin to see it on their face. Their face becomes hard. There's a look. And there's no joy. They may laugh 
they may, but there's not the joy of the Lord. There's not the, the sense of the presence of God in that person's life. And, and, and praise God. God. God knows us. He knows our, our, we have feet of clay. He knows we're dust, one scripture says. Um, and, and he knows when we're struggling. I had one lady uh, at previous church who her husband had been murdered. And she was struggling with, the, with, with forgiving uh, the people who had, who had killed her husband. And I, I can't imagine something like that, going through something like that. And God understands, I think, those traumatic events in our lives and how we struggle with those things and the process of grief and dealing with those issues in our lives. He understands those things, but he calls us to forgive. And uh, it is a choice that we make, and it's a choice. Listen, our unforgiveness doesn't hurt that other person, except maybe the unwillingness to have a relationship with them. Well, that may hurt them, but most of the time, if they've hurt you badly, they're not going to be all that broken up that you're not talking to them. Mainly, unforgiveness hurts the people who, who, who are being unforgiving. Uh, it hurts the relationship with God. It, it tends to make us bitter, unpleasant. Um, and so, you know, and, and you think about this. This... this it's almost like Jerry Springer, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> if you read the next chapter, it certainly is like Jerry Springer. Uh, it's crazy what's going on. It, and it stems from unforgiveness. Because guess what? When you are quenching the Spirit of God in one area of your life, the devil's going to attack you in other areas. And you find that there is spiritual disintegration in the heart and life of the person who has an unforgiving spirit. It is such a damaging thing uh, to the Christian life. We're called as God's children to forgive. Why? Because he has forgiven us. How has he forgiven us? Completely. Matter of fact, he's forgiven us so much that he chose to take our place on the cross. For God so loved the world, he gave his son. Isaiah 53 says, it pleased him to crush him for us. He had to take care of the problem of justice because God's a just God. His wrath had to be poured out for the sin. So he took care of that. Why? Because his love for us was so great. It could not be deterred. He sent his son to take care of all the barriers between us and God so that he could give us complete, unconditional Forgiveness. Praise God, my sin, past, present, future, is under the blood of Jesus Christ. And one day when I get to heaven, I had a, <laughs> had a preacher when I was a kid who said uh, God was going to put all your sins up on a video, a video screen in heaven. I thought, boy, I don't want to go to heaven. Uh, you know, if all, all the bad things I've ever done are going to be on a video screen for everybody to see. Uh, nowhere in Scripture does it say that. What it does say is that God keeps a record of sins. The books in Revelation, the records of sins. But praise God, when a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says in Colossians, God uh, blots out the handwriting that was against us. 
He took it out of the middle. In other words, it was a barrier between us and God. He took, us, took it out of the middle and nailed it to Jesus' cross. Jesus died for the sentence I deserve. So God took his divine eraser. That's back from my childhood. Today it's a delete key. <laughs> okay. Uh, whatever, whatever image you want to use, the record is expunged. It's already been paid for and taken care of at the cross. We ought to be generous forgivers and quick forgivers because our Savior does the same thing for us. What does the scripture say? His mercies are new every morning. Isn't that a wonderful truth? Have you ever been so glad you get up the next day and thought, boy, I, so, I blew it so bad yesterday. Thank you, God, that there's a new day and that there's new mercies. And uh, hallelujah for that. Praise God that he forgives us like that. Uh, now, we need to forgive completely. Now, the, the honest truth is that these things we've talked about that we need to do, we can learn from these things as Christians. We can be wise. We can walk in the filling of the Holy Spirit and live this way. And it will improve our relationships. It is wisdom from heaven. But the honest truth is that other people are probably not going to do that. Okay? There will probably be people in your family that won't do that. Love them anyway. Forgive them anyway. Pray for them anyway. And see what God will do in their lives. Praise God. Joseph learned some things. He went from being a tattletale and uh, uh, kind of a braggart and a, a cocky uh, know-it-all, uh, you know, kind of a person <laughs> to somebody who had a great humility and a great wisdom and was very gracious, very gracious with his brothers later on when they come to him. But guess what? He wasn't the only one that learned things. Uh, his brothers had seen the grief of their father. Judah, in the next chapter, we'll probably skip because I'm doing a series on Joseph. But uh, Judah, in the next chapter, uh, ends up going, two of his sons are killed by God for, for their wickedness. Uh, and he has all of this havoc in his family. He's, he, uh, he goes, he sleeps with a prostitute. Come to find out it's his daughter-in-law who he refused to give to his son in accordance with, with God's design. And... Uh, uh, you know, I mean, it's just crazy. And, and, and there's a brokenness there. I mean, he's left his father's family because he probably can't take seeing his father grieve the way his father's grieving. But he comes, he comes full circle, and when he comes before Joseph, Joseph says, I'm going to take Benjamin, and I'm going to keep Benjamin here. And you go, and, and Judah, Judah, he's a picture of Jesus in this. He says, I, he says, I can't bear to see what will happen with my father if I go back and the boy's not with me. Take me instead. And he offers himself in place of his brother and becomes a picture of the heart of Christ. Aren't you glad that God heals relationships and heals families? Isn't that a wonderful thing? Listen, God is, is still in the business of mending relationships 
And we need to remember in all of this that God is sovereign. One thing that helps us forgive completely uh, is that God is sovereign, right? I'm not in charge of everything. I'm not in control of everything, and I don't have to be because God is. Guess what? Somebody may do me wrong. Can I tell you something? If God's got a purpose for me to fulfill, that purpose will be fulfilled. People did Joseph wrong. I mean, we've read about it here today. They, they did him wrong. Uh, Potiphar's wife falsely accused him, got him thrown into prison. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. What a great perspective. As we deal with people and the messiness of this life and the sin that's all around us, we need to remember that God's in charge. We're not uh, in the hands of anyone unless God allows us to be in their hands. And if he allows us to be in their hands, he allows us for a reason. Guess what? God used hateful, murderous brothers to fulfill his purpose. God used a lying, scorned woman for his purpose. God used the captain of the guard to put Joseph in the specific prison where he needed to be. And God used an angry Pharaoh to accomplish his purpose as he sent the chief baker, chief butler. Uh, isn't God amazing? All these things seem to be chance, but it is in the plan and purpose of God. So we can have better relationships. That is a wonderful thing. And we can learn wisdom from these things. But even more so, we learn that our God is able to deal with things even when people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. And uh, praise God. What, what hope would there be? Because let's face it, all of us sometimes aren't doing what we're supposed to be doing. There's no perfect churches. There's no perfect families. But praise God, we've got a God who can handle it all. <laughs> and uh, he can bring his purpose to fruition. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us to have good relationships, God, to follow the wisdom that we've talked about here tonight. Um, show us when to shut our mouths and when to open them. Uh, help us to have a humble spirit towards other people.